It's 11-13-2023. Level Up Podcast in the building. My boy Andy P. Rocking out on Fans First Sports Network. Level Up Podcast. Andy P. You know how we get out on Google Podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. We do our thing talking college football. Before we get started with the show, some picks, some topics, college football news, all that good stuff that you come here to listen with. What's up, Andy? Gotta say what's cracking lacking to you, man. I'm excited for this week, not just because we've got some fun games to talk about. We got some news to talk about. Like I'm somebody who loves college football news, gossip, changes, all these things. We're starting to get into that season now. Um, yeah. But this week I'm going down to Atlanta to go watch Syracuse play Georgia Tech. My orange could go to a bowl game or I'm going to see Georgia Tech clinch a bowl for the first time in a really long time. So uh, it's going to be an interesting it's going to be an interesting game. It's like that peak middle of college football where like teams are still playing for something that matters at the individual fan base. We might not talk about them on level up because we can't do a four hour show breaking down everything. But it's still exciting. There's still fans there that are going to be super hyped. So it's like it's and you know what the best part is? It's fall. Atlanta's perfect weather. I don't know about you, Big G, but New York got that cold front coming in hard right now. I'm pretty yeah. sure it's like in the 30s out right now and no one is happy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's like that in the OHIO. But, man, do you know what this week is for us, man? The calm before the storm. Mm-hmm. The storm, the storm is, is six days and counting for that special week that we have every year. <laughs> <laughs> right after Thanksgiving, for all my Buckeye fans and Wolverine fans out there, because we got a, one or two of them over there in that live chat, it's OHIO, baby. It's OHIO. OHIO for sure, sure. But hey, man, but Andy, we got some not breaking news, hot news, hot topic news. A couple of topics that me and you talked about before a little bit on the podcast, but they've actually come to fruition. First topic is, man, Jimbo Fisher was canned. They told Jimbo Fisher he was straight trash. They told him to hit the block. They told him to get out. They gave him some more money, $76 million, to get to stepping, Andy. Your thoughts about Jimbo Fisher up out of there from Texas A&M University? I mean, we joked about it early in the season when we were talking about them in a lot of the games. Like Jimbo is in that class of coaches that has not done who they've done so little with so much. Mm -hmm. And like to be fair, like Texas A&M does not necessarily have a history of being a dominant program in whatever conference that they're in. But I think this is a great example where if you look at what's happening down the road in Texas, uh, they're still in the Big 12, but they hired Sark. It's taken Sark roughly 24 months to take Texas from where Texas A&M is Mm -hmm. to a contender for the Big 12 title, possibly outside playoff berth. They had that big win against Alabama. They got they got got in Red River, but. You know, Texas, you look at, we talk about it all the time. Like that quarterback pipeline that Texas has built in such a short period of time, one mm-hmm. of the best out there. You look at the running back situation. You look at the the trench work that they have on both sides of the ball. Texas is a really well-built team. And next year they're coming into the SEC with that squad. Like Texas yeah. could run Texas A&M out of the SEC in terms of like the localized recruiting. So if you're, if you're Texas A&M, like, look, I'm a fan of Syracuse. I think we could Syracuse could fundraise for 20 years and not raise yeah. $76 million to yeah. hire or fire a coach. Like this is the kind of money that not every program has. So if you got it and you want to use it to make a change right now, 
you make the change. And I think you and I are both in agreement here. I haven't seen anything from Jimbo Fisher at mm-hmm. Texas A&M that has made me go like, you know what? He does X, Y, or Z so well that you have to wait and see if he gives you something new. Andy, I don't disagree, man. And the issue has been straight effort. The problem is at Texas A&M is that they've had top five recruiting classes three consecutive years in a row, including the number one overall recruiting class two seasons ago, and they can't win. That's the problem. That's the issue. So the bottom line is he's been able to level up the Texas A&M program. And guess what? They got the bread to spread it. They got the bread to go get it. Because they're in the SEC West, a lot, a lot of known fact that a lot of people don't know. Do you realize and know that every time an SEC team makes the Final Four playoff, the conference gets six million dollars, but they break that six million dollars up among individual schools based on your win-loss record. So they've been losing money just off of his inability not to make it to the the SEC championship game. Just to freaking play well enough to where you get a bowl game and they can go that revenue sharing and their revenue splitting. On top of that, they have a top 15 class coming in this year. So I looked at it like, look, man, let's do what we do. Let's get him out of here and let's go big game hunting. Andy, everything I've heard, breaking news right here on the Level Up Fans First Sports Network podcast. Urban Meyer will be offered a deal within 14 days. Whether or not he takes it, I don't know. But he will be offered the deal to take the helm at Texas A&M University. Andy, you know how we get out with the G-Stradamus and the thoughts way out. Urban Meyer at A&M, does that spell trouble for the SEC? I don't know if it does. I do think that the Urban stuff is, is interesting, if only because Pete Thamel, who's been a mouthpiece for Urban in his camp for a while, mm-hmm. did not list Urban on the short list for Texas A&M which I think might indicate Urban is kind of okay not going back to coaching in the mm-hmm. NIL world until things have settled down a little bit and he, he's got a better read on the situation. Yeah. I Look, there will be other jobs that can pay you a lot of money and also not be as high expectation as Texas A&M right now. Yeah. Might not be the worst idea to pass. What I do think is interesting if you're Texas A&M is that you have a lot of different directions you can go with this hire. You can go with the celebrity coach. You can go with Urban Meyer. Mm. You can make a run at Coach Prime out at Colorado, who has made it very clear that he wants to come back to Texas in some capacity. You can can go after another sitting head coach, like, say, a Matt Lanning up at Oregon, who has done a one-year turnaround like I have not seen anyone else do. Facts, facts. But I do think that the name to, like, keep your ears and eyes open on is look at Elko over at Duke. Like that is a former Jimbo guy who got out of that shadow and has immediately turned around Duke. Like what you were saying, they've been low. Texas A&M has been low effort. Mm -hmm. Duke has been maximum effort every single game since Elko got there. Yeah. And again, it's a situation where you're going, like if you're Texas A&M, you just spent $76 million to get this guy out of here. Yeah, it's going to cost another 10 to 15 million dollars to get another guy in here. Yeah. So if you want to go with a safer option, maybe give it two or three years to kind of feel things out, start mm. fundraising a little bit more in case, you know, you need to wait on Coach Prime's Colorado experiment to end. If you want to make another run at Urban after his, you know, TV time is is done. Yeah, there's a lot of different ways you can approach this. I personally would go with a more proven head coach 
rather than go with someone like Urban Meyer or Coach Prime who, you know, in the case of Prime, it's we know he's a good coach, but building a program at the Power 5 level is really difficult, especially with the transfer portal. You don't get that depth. Um, and if you're, if you're, you know, looking at, uh, an urban Myers, it's somebody who hasn't been in the game for a minute, uh, go after, go after a head coach with experience in this infrastructure, because if nothing else, we know there is going to be a transfer exodus out of Texas A&M right now. And there are some former five and four star guys that like a school like Syracuse, a school like Louisville, a school like Duke, just name an ACC schools right now. They're flocking to these kids saying like, look, do you want to play every single day right now for a program that really needs you? Like we, we got you covered right now. So I'm interested to see what the fallout looks like for Texas A&M because yeah, like you said early, uh, you, you got to You got to make, you got to make the coaching change now and you got to get somebody in the door within the next 14 days because that early signing period is going to hit transfer portal is going to open up. You, You don't got a lot of time to play with right now. That's facts. Or if not, your program gets pillaged. And yeah. I don't think the AM brass or the or the fan base, they wouldn't have moved, in my opinion, Andy, they wouldn't have moved to fire Jimbo if they didn't have somebody in mind. And yeah. that's why I that's why I believe these what these rumors and everything that's out there that Urban will be offered the job because they want him. And I think they're going to open up the bank. And for all you guys that don't know that really understand how the dynamics of the state of Texas work, when I'm telling you they got more money than Parker Brothers, they got more money than Parker Brothers down there in Texas. So they'll open up the bank, and yeah, they gave Jimbo seventy-six million. I think it's nineteen million within the next sixty days, and then nine million dollars every year consecutive after that. They'll open up a hundred million dollars and give it to Urban if they think that's what's going to take to get him. So I, it's going to be real interesting. Or like how you said, Andy, can they pry prime time away from Colorado? That would be nuts if they were able to do it. Because guess what? The whole prime time skill position is coming directly from Colorado in the portal. Over to Texas A&M with those big old offensive and defensive linemen they got. And Deion's going to say, man, it ain't no fun when the rabbit got the gun. So so it could be jumping off real fast, real quick, and real in a hurry at Texas A&M. Andy, we're going to switch, man. We was talking about Urban Meyer, a coach that we done seen go through some stuff. We got some stuff jumping off up there in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Like I said on the podcast last week, on mm-hmm. Tuesday, I predicted Gistra Thomas that Jimbo, that uh, 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 Jim Harbaugh would be suspended. People told me I was crazy. I've been in social media battles left and right. I've been talking to mess on every podcast that I'm on. And I was like, I told you guys that that dude was cooked. I knew it was coming from, first of all, the Big Ten, based on what I know. And then also where it was going to eventually come from the NC2A. There's a lot going on. And Jim Harbaugh is out there talking about America needs to rally around the Big Ten and America's team. Andy, first of all, I just want to know how you feel about the Jim Harbaugh suspension and what's actually happened to Jimmy Harbaugh and the Michigan program over the last 72 hours. Yeah, I I think that this is interesting to say the least, if only because I am pretty sure this is a fair punishment. Like when you, Mm. when you take all things into consideration, even if Harbaugh did know what was going on or didn't know what was going on, like you can't, you can't let nothing happen here. And the sideline band does have an impact. And it, it, it has, you saw after the game with the way that the Michigan coaches were reacting to the game, 
you know, you're putting the decision making in a lot of different hands. That is mm. not typically Jim Harbaugh, who are not used to making these decisions. It yeah. has an impact on the game. I think it's going to be really interesting going into, you know, the game in a couple of weeks, like what mm. it means not to have to have Harbaugh there during the week, but not there on the actual Saturday. I think it's, think it's yeah. going to have a big impact. That being said, I think it's really going to be interesting to see what happens this offseason because now you're talking about paying Jim Harbaugh a lot of money. Yeah. And there are there's a report out there. Uh, Stephen Godfrey of the Washington Post and Split Zone Duo had yeah, a report. Ready. Yeah, had had a report that Michigan was ready to hand Harbaugh a multi-year extension with a significant raise that would put him into the Jimbo category in terms of overall payment. Which remember, he took a pay cut after the last round of questioning that took place. Right. Um, so I am the fact that that contract has not been put back out onto the table mm. is to me telling. And I think Jim Harbaugh is the kind of guy who's like, well, if you don't love me now, when will you? A- and mm. he's going to start flirting around with the NFL. Like the chargers are going to fire their head coach at some point in time. Oh, he's cooked. The chargers head yep. coach is cooked. Staley's cooked. Yeah. A- and you, you got the Oakland opening, there, there's probably a few more openings that are going to happen in that time period, and Harbaugh mm. is going to be top of mind for a lot of these for a lot of these jobs. Mm. A- and I just think it's really obvious that this is probably his last season at Michigan, mm. unless Michigan decides to say, "Screw it, we're going to give you this massive extension anyway." With all of these things that have gone wrong this mm. season, and mm. I, I just. I, I can't see a world where he's the coach next year if the Michigan brass takes the suspension seriously. Yeah, facts. The, the one thing that I am, and B-Dirt said it over there in the running through the jungle, thank you for your comment, B-Dirt, that I was surprised actually that they allowed him to continue coaching throughout the week for the University of Michigan. I was totally shocked at that. But what that's saying too, I think they're going to let some of that due process and that just go through concerning the law and all whatever else is going to happen for our ball. The bottom line is this, and I got a little different spin of what I saw out of some of those assistant coaches after the game at the Penn State game because it was, it was, of course, an emotional thing. But the issue is it almost looked like a cry of guilt. Not necessarily because I'm starting to believe more I pay attention to this, I don't think Harbaugh knew to the extent of what everybody says he knew. But I know who did know. I think it was the offensive defensive coordinators. And it might have been one of those things where you protect the godfather and you don't let him put his hands on it, but he knows something's going on. And therefore, Jim Harbaugh's taking the blunt of this because it's more like institutional control or lack mm-hmm. thereof of institutional control. So I, I think it's not necessarily on Harbaugh. I think it's on the program for sure, without a shadow of a doubt. And so I think moving forward, man, I don't know. Is Harbaugh going to take one for the squad? We'll see. But as of right now, it's definitely a rallying cry for the University of Michigan, man. And like you said, in less than two weeks, it's going to be a lot of furniture moving around for sure, for sure, man, with uh, Jim Harbaugh and his opportunity to move on and go to the next thing. But we'll see. We'll see because they're they're filing an injunction. There's a hearing on Friday. Right. There's some other stuff going on behind the closed doors. I heard that if he files the injunction, that the Big Ten is actually going to push for a larger – punishment including him being suspended in totality from all big 10 events and stuff like that so including 
coaching during the week. So this thing's going to go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth until we get some type of understanding. And I just don't think you're going to see that from the Michigan brass. I just don't think you're going to see it because it's protect Harbaugh at all costs. And I don't think it should be. I think that Harbaugh might not have known to the extent, but definitely the program knew. Andy, what do you think about those comments, man? No, I definitely agree. And I think that that's, that's like, that comes with the job. You know, that's any, any good boss might not necessarily be up in your business on a day to day, Yeah. but your job is to help make them look good and be successful. Their job is to protect you in case you do something a little shady or you, you mess something up. They take yeah. the heat for you and, and give you more opportunities to do good work. Yeah. I, I think, I think the most interesting thing about this entire thing is that if you look at this coaching staff, uh, you've got Jesse Minter, who is, uh, you know, was had the headset in this last game, yeah. has been talked about as a coordinator to go take another Power Five job opening. There's one that's open up the road. There's Facts. another one that's opening that's probably going to be open in Northwestern. Yeah. Um, you look at Sharon Moore, who is a rising star on the offensive uh, coordinator side of the ball, could mm-hmm. also be in the running for a lot of jobs. I know that, you know, if Syracuse doesn't make a bowl game this year and they move on from Dino Babers, Mike Hart, who was one of the coaches that served during that opening four-game stint, was somebody that the Syracuse fans would really like to have come back to Syracuse and be a head coach. So this isn't even a situation where, you know, we're waiting to see what happens with Harbaugh. There Mm -hmm. are other members of this staff who have head coaching aspirations and are being talked about in that way who Mm -hmm. are going to be impacted by everything that happens here. And so, again, to your point, it wouldn't surprise me at all if when it's all said and done, we find out that this was really something where the coaching staff outside of Harbaugh was the one that knew the full extent and Harbaugh just knew that they were stealing signs really well. Yeah, It also yeah. then wouldn't surprise me if the decision is y'all go and find your new opportunities elsewhere. Harbaugh goes to the NFL and the whole thing is just cleared out after this year. Like, mm-hmm. is that probably an extreme scenario here absolutely that's probably like a one to ten percent chance that that happens yeah but it's out there it's not impossible and i think that again with everything that's going to happen next year 12 team playoff new teams coming into the big into the big 10 12 whatever you want to call it big big 20 big countries what you might as well call it coast to coast big country yeah (laughs) the 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 michigan is in this really weird spot because of Mm -hmm. it I also don't feel that bad about it. <laughs> yeah, facts, facts, man. I know as an ACCer, man, you got to feel, you know, like, man, th- th- this couldn't happen at a perfect time. Last thing I want to say about this before we take a quick commercial break, there's rumblings out there that the Big Ten brass are trying to push for the Michigan Wolverines to move from the Big Ten into the SEC. I'm going to say this once. I'm going to say it twice. I'm going to say it with my chest stuck out. Go ahead. Go on down there and take your punishment because you're going to get mollywopped Skull driven, whatever way you want to call it, against the SEC powers that be. Texas, Oklahoma, Texas A&M, Georgia, Florida, Alabama, Ole Miss is waiting on you. Going on down there if you want to be in the middle of the pack on a mid-team. Your best bet is to stay home in the Big Ten Conference. Deal with it. We had to deal with it in the Buckeye Nation. Look, man, I'm not a loyalist to Urban Meyer or nor a loyalist to Jim Trussell. And both of those dudes got us chips. But guess what? You get caught with your hand in a cookie dog jar, you got to keep it pushing. And that's what I think needs to happen over in Michigan, man, without a shadow of a doubt. 
Andy, we're going to take a quick commercial break for all you guys watching us live on YouTube on Fans First Sports Network Level Up Podcast. Give us about 10, 15, 20 seconds. We're going to pay a couple of bills and swing on back around and start talking about the big games this week and week 11 of college football. We'll see you in 10 seconds. We're back with the Level Up Podcast, Andy P and Big G in the building on Fans First Sports Network, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. You know how we get out. We thank all you guys for rocking with us in the live chat tonight. We're trying to light it up a little bit, Andy. What's going on over there? We got some comments jumping off for sure, for sure. But, Andy, we talked about our topics even before we get to the games. Man, let's swing to the games because you know how we do on week 11. And every week we give you our inside information, what we know and what we don't know. First game this evening. Man, I couldn't believe we're going to actually go back to the Pac-10, Pac-12, Pac-whatever in this capacity. Because who would have thought we'd be talking about this game as a swing game? The Utah Utes coming off an L against Arizona, who possibly could still play for the Pac-12 championship game. Andy, man, let's swing the gate. Utah versus Arizona, what you got, bro? This has been one of the single biggest turnarounds that no one is talking about is, is what the Arizona Wildcats have done. Uh, they are 7-3, and 5-2 in the, in the Pac-12, which is, again, absolutely wild. They're on a four-game win streak here, and a lot of that has been due to the fact that they made the switch to uh, a new quarterback. So mm. beginning of the year, they had a quarterback competition, did the whole thing of, you know, well, we're going to have a starter. We got a backup. We're, we're going to try it. We're not going to do the two quarterback system. Mm. That faded pretty quickly yep. once injuries happened. And then Noah, Fif Noah Fifita, who is a 5'11 freshman out of California, not necessarily, I understand why you don't want <laughs> He's so good. Yeah. Uh, 16 touchdowns, four interceptions, a QB rating of 80 on uh, on ESPN. If you take a look at the uh, efficiencies quarterback rankings, he's still one of the better quarterbacks once you start getting into the fancy stats and all that. What, what he does really well that I think is really important here uh, is that he handles pressure incredibly well, which you have mm. to do at, at a school like Arizona – they're yeah. not going to have the best O-line play. They're not going to have hogs on that uh, protecting you. You're going to have to be able to deal with pressure really well. And for a, yeah. a true freshman to handle pressure the way that he has and to mitigate pressure, it's yeah. really impressive. And I think that that's what makes this game so much fun is that you're playing a Utah defense that excels at pressuring the quarterback. This is like this is that true moment for Arizona of, can this surprise quarterback that has done all the things that you've asked of him that handles pressure so well, can he do it against Utah? Because if he can, not only is this kid for real, but like you said, Arizona will control their own destiny in getting into the Pac-12 title game. A sentence that I did not think I would ever say, uh, but is undoubtedly true, which is, again, absolutely wild. Man, the, 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 I'm glad you said it, Andy, because the question is just this, too. Could... I mean, I know the Pac-12 is dissolving, but could you imagine the chaos it would cause if some kind of way there's no rematch between Oregon 
and Washington in the Pac-12 championship game, and Arizona sitting in the driver's seat. All they got to do is win and hope for one loss. That's all. Either Washington drops one or Oregon drops one, and they're home free. And that's the bananas part. But I want to point this out about as far as a game stat or something that's going to go on in this game. Remember what Utah did to UCLA's freshman quarterback? Mm-hmm. You remember what they did them? Now, I got a question. It's a question and an answer. Is Arizona's quarterback UCLA's quarterback? I think Arizona's quarterback is light years ahead of him. Mm-hmm. And so I think that if Utah puts that game plan together and provides heavy pressure, especially in four- and five-man fronts and then disguising blitzes and dropping from what looks like a single-high all-out pressure into zone coverage or dropping what looks like a zone coverage into a full-man blitz package, especially off the corners, I think this kid's seen it before. And anytime you see something a second and third time, if you're really him, you can handle it. Andy, I went back and looked at some of the film on the All-22 for, for this Arizona quarterback kid, and he's the truth. He's not a scrub now. This kid can play. And the one thing that I was shocked of more than anything, they designed plays to get him out of the pocket to allow his athletic ability to put him in position to make plays with his feet as well as with his arm. And that's where I think this difference was between UCLA and Arizona. The play calling and play design is designed to accent the skill set of the quarterback versus what we saw in UCLA. Andy, what you thinking about those comments, bro? I, I listen when you've got an undersized quarterback who's really athletic like this is the playbook of how you design an offense you want mm-hmm. not everybody's going to be Drew Brees and is going to be comfortable doing those three-step drops you know spread the field keep the defense right. guessing yeah. more often than not you want to get that quarterback moving you want to shift the pocket you want to ensure that their athleticism allows them to have the escape route of running the ball for two or three yards maybe make a big play whatever um, but that, but that's something that Arizona has done really well this year. Uh, if you go to PFF and you take a look at their uh, power rank on offense, they're the ninth best offense in the country. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that's due to their uh, explosive plays and their big time throw percentage. Like on 3% of their throws has the potential to be a big play of 40 yards or more. That's one of the highest yes. rates in the country. Facts. And it's And it's because of this kid's ability to throw on the run both accurately and with power. Like this is, mm. uh, we'll, we'll get to the picks in a second, but I think Utah has acquitted themselves incredibly well this season, mm. playing with a great defense and a not so great offense. Yeah. Arizona is a much more balanced team than I thought they were going to be. The defense isn't amazing, but it's perfectly capable of shutting down a bad offense. Yeah. And if you're asking me, do I trust this kid to win a game at home in the biggest game of his career? Yeah. I think the answer is yes. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, this would be, matter of fact, Andy, I'm going to tell you something. In my opinion, this could be one of the biggest wins in Arizona program history. If they're able to win these last two games, so they got Utah this week and Arizona State next week, they're able to pull off both of these games, man, and right the ship and appear in that Pac-12 championship game, it's going to be validation for a lot of things, even the disbandment of the Pac-12 and then moving over to the Big 12 because they're going to come in as like, hey, we're the big kids on the block. And I don't know if you guys know, me and Andy, we know we follow recruiting and all whatever else. There's mad, crazy, skilled five-star players in the state of Arizona. You better believe they play high school football out there. So 
This game will be a statement game for them to bring in some of those players that they might lose to teams that are coming to poach players out of that state. So saying all that, Andy, we got the picks. You know how we do. Arizona versus Utah. Who you got, bro, this week in this pivotal Pac-12 game? Didn't expect it, but I do think that this game will be close. Like the line, you know, showing on your screen if you're watching the live stream, it's literally a half a point in favor of Arizona. That's about as close as you can get it here. Facts. I, I like I, I like the Wildcats to win this one. I, I just think that they have such an explosive offense. We've seen that Utah can really stifle a team that like we saw them do it against UCLA. But again, lesson learned this year, it's really hard to win on the road in the Pac-12. And the better quarterback is usually going to win the game in this conference. And Arizona mm. has the better quarterback. Give me the Wildcats to win this one 27-23. Mm. I think that I think that it's a good game. I think we're going to be talking about the Wildcats moving forward, which is great. Uh, and I'm just really as a college football fan, I'm just really impressed with what, with what's gone around here. This has been a turnaround from a team that we were thinking would not make a bowl game yeah. now in contention for their conference championship. It, it's a great story, man. I totally agree. And I think they're going to rain on the PAC 12 parade. Andy, I got the same winner with Arizona, but I think Arizona is going to make a statement. I like Arizona to win this week, 31 17 and say, Hey, we're putting the Pac-12 on alert. I mean, the disbanded or dysfunctional or Pac-2 or whatever you want to call a conference. <laughs> it's a wrap out there. It's cooked. But they're going to say, hey, we're the new kid on the block. So you need to be paying attention to us moving forward. And i like them to make a huge statement this week against Utah. Andy, game number two on the slate. Are the Georgia Bulldogs the real number one team? Because you know the college football playoff update is going to come out in less than 24 hours. They done ran the gauntlet now, Andy. They done popped Missouri. That cooked, cooked quarterback who cooked Missouri, they should have had the victory. But they skull drug Ole Miss. They beat Ole Miss like they stole something, like they was an evil stepchild. And they said, hey, look, buddy, you do not belong to us. You don't belong in SEC. You don't run with the big boys. Beat down on top of beat down with Georgia over Ole Miss. But this week they got a really hurting, mad, angry, pissed off, skull drug Tennessee team which is the last test maybe for Georgia going into the SEC championship game. Andy, give me the rundown this week for Georgia at the Tennessee Volunteers. This is another game where I think we've seen an evolution of Georgia over the last few months that is a little bit surprising. And for me, you know, we talked about a pre-show. For me, that's all Carson Beck. Like this Ooh. is a kid who I think was getting a lot of Stetson Bennett comparisons, rightfully so. Yeah. And has, in the heart of Georgia's season, without his best weapon in Brock Bowers, has really turned it on and shown that this kid is a good quarterback. Mm. There's, uh, like, if you watch some of the games, he is just making incredibly intelligent decisions with the football. He's, the like, the entire Georgia offensive line and the quarterback are picking up blitzes. They are giving him so much time to throw in the pocket. It has been an incredible turnaround for an offense that I did not think really had explosiveness and has shown that they can be incredibly explosive uh, through the air and on the ground. And I think that's I think that's what makes Georgia such a difficult team right now Fact. is that if, if, if you look at what they do, 
They can beat you with big runs. They can beat you with big throws. Beck just opens up their game plan in a way that we didn't see last year uh, mm-hmm. with Stetson Bennett. Stetson Bennett could make big throws, but his big throw was always that 10-yard post route to a tight end over the middle of the field. Mm-hmm. That is, you know, it's an important throw to make, but he couldn't throw that 40-yard bomb down the sideline with consistency. Yeah. Carson Beck looks like he can do that, and that should terrify everybody in the SEC because even though this Georgia defense isn't as elite as it's been in past years, uh, the offense has picked up the slack. And and I thought last week's game was a bit of a paper tiger. I don't think Ole Miss is actually as good as the record or their stats show. Mm. This road game in Tennessee, I think, is the, like like you were saying, Big G. This is the last final test for them going into the SEC title game. And this is that moment where we go, are you the team that we wanted you to be all season long? Are you the true number one team that's just going to stomp everybody that's not at that Ohio State Michigan level? Yeah. Or are you just the best team in the S- in a down SEC? Man, that's facts, man. You know, the big thing about it, I want to say this, man, that first of all, we had a Blake Bauer sighting, you know, which how this kid came back from that injury. Man, there's some stuff going on in sports medicine right now. I, I just don't understand because there's no <laughs> way this kid should have played until the end of the season. There's no way. But he played and he played efficient, but that's number one. But, Andy, I went back and I looked at their roster. I took a deep dive and a deep look at their roster. The issue is, and what most of us who are sort of Georgia haters because we don't want to see them get that three-peat, they reloaded with five-star talent like you've never seen before. I, I looked. And out of their 22 starters, 19 of their 22 starters are five stars. That doesn't happen on a college football team. So to put that level of talent, and I'm saying all that to say, we just really don't know the names because we've seen a plethora of guys going to like the Philadelphia Eagles and across the board from the Georgia Bulldogs. And we like, we knew the names, but these kids, they're going to make you put some respect on their name and know who they are here in a real quick, fast, and a hurry, including Carson Beck, because everybody knows about Dylan Rayola's coming there next year. He's the guy that Ohio State lost in a recruiting battle. He moved from Arizona, Chandler, Arizona, to Georgia so they could keep their eye on him concerning critiquing him and getting him ready to play at Georgia. I don't know if Rayola should go to Georgia because Beck is a, is a redshirt freshman now. He ain't no scrub now. And so Beck's going to be there for this year, next year, and maybe the year after that. Raola, you're going to have to wait your turn, buddy, because he's showing that he's the truth. So saying all that, I'm going to flip it, talk about Georgia a little bit. I mean, about Tennessee a little bit. Tennessee, dog, you're the most overrated team in college football. I don't know why in the world you're ranked that high, number one. You have shown consistently that you can't beat good, good teams your quarterback, who's a Michigan transfer, by the way, can't play consistent football in the SEC. You're out talented. Now, I've heard rumblings. I don't know how true it is, but I've heard rumblings that they're going to let their true freshman start. If he plays, that's going to make a big difference in this game. I'm not calling for a Tennessee upset, but I'm saying when you don't have film on a kid and he's a five-star talent, that's different. That's different. Milrow was never, I mean, a Milton was never a five-star talent. The backup quarterback is. He can throw the ball all over the yard. He can make those outside the hash mark throws that Milton can't make. 
and make marginal or average wide receivers look good. You know I know that works? Ask the NFL what C.J. Stroud is doing, how he makes marginal to regular based on his ball placement and accuracy, how he makes marginal to decent wide receivers look like all world. So the kid behind Milton is a dog. So if he plays, maybe. But I don't I don't give him a chance right now in the world to win. But, Andy, I'm going to swing it back over to you. Let's make your prediction about it. And any final thoughts you got with Georgia and Tennessee? No, I'm 100% with you. I think that this is going to be the game. We, we saw it last year. This was the game where Georgia showed Tennessee that, you know, the high-risk, high-reward offense can't yeah. win against a truly elite defense at the college level. There's just – it's too easy for the defensive playmakers to shut down the offensive playmakers. But – I think this year's game is going to show you how important the quarterback position is when you've got the guy versus when you don't have the guy. Mm-hmm. And I, th- I think I think Beck's the one. Like you just look at all the stats. Like I was looking at PFF, I was looking at SP Plus, I'm looking at EPA, throwing out every acronym I can, trying to find a, a way that Tennessee even has a single positive matchup mm-hmm. against Georgia. Mm-hmm. They they really don't like you can maybe argue that Tennessee's run defense is probably good enough to give Georgia's rushing offense the most trouble they've had all year. Yeah, but that that's that's really it. I, I think Georgia wins this game 42 to 20. Like, I really don't think it's going to be all that close. I think Tennessee's going to get some points. I think I, I can see what you're saying. I think they start with Milton. Once the game gets out of hand, they start turning the roster over and go, okay, what can you do again? Like, this is the best competition you're going to get until 2024 week one. Like, what? let's see what you got right now in this moment when the stakes are really low, but the competition's still high. Yeah, facts, facts. I I think this is definitely a blowout. And I think – I don't think Georgia surpasses Ohio State this week as far as the number one overall, but I think a a staple win against a Tennessee team – will swing the voters and say, hey, look, you know, they're they're deserving number one going to that last week, which I think the winner of the Ohio State-Michigan game is going to jump them back anyway. And then possibly if Georgia pops Bama, they're going to jump back to number one anyway. So I think there's going to be some jockeying back and forth with the number one. But this is a game definitely where Georgia can solidify themselves as the number one team in the country. So I look for Georgia to beat them. Hey, I'm going to say 42-24. Something like that, 42-24. It's gonna be it's gonna be a skull dragon without a shadow of a doubt. I think a beat down on top of a beat down. And Georgia, you're really good. I'm gonna put some respect on your name as of today. I know I'm in Big Ten country. I know I'm talking mess, but I'm gonna put some respect on the Georgia Bulldogs as of today. Andy, we're gonna take one more quick commercial break, 10 second pause. We got two games games to cover. We got one of our fan favorite fans first sports network games that we're going to talk about next in the podcast. So if you guys are watching live on YouTube, give us 10 and let us come back with these last two games on the Level Up podcast with Andy P and Big G. We'll see y'all in about 10. We're back with the Level Up Podcast. Andy P and Big G in the building on Fans First Sports Network. Andy, we got a banger. Afton, one of our FFSN generals out there, we salute you. We got Kansas State versus Kansas. 
Andy, we haven't talked about that many Big 12 games all season. It's been wacky over there in Big 10. We know we got Texas and it's everybody else. This is a game that if Kansas State wins, they might get a rematch with them Longhorn boys in the Big 12 championship game. So it's a big-time game for them, and it's a rivalry game. This is one of those undercover rivalries that a lot of people don't know about. There's bad blood between the Kansas Jayhawks and the Kansas State Wildcats. So, Andy, give it to me. What you got this week with this underrated rivalry in Kansas and Kansas State? Yeah, this is a game where it is one of my favorites because we're looking at a Kansas State team that is not ranked nearly as high as a lot of the numbers that I like uh, say they should be ranked. So mm-hmm. if you if you take a look at where they are right now, they're they're 25th in the polls. Um, but if you look at SP Plus, which again is my favorite overall metric to use, it's supposed to be predictive. It's not reactive. It's basically saying based off of what you have done previously, what will you do next? And it has Kansas State as the 11th best team in the country, which is the largest differential between a team uh, team's ranking in SP plus and their rankings in the polls and then in the playoffs. And that's why I think this is a really sneaky game because Kansas uh, is not ranked in the top 25 uh, of SP plus, but they're obviously ranked a lot higher here. So, so this is one of those games where I look at and I say, look, if the numbers are right, Kansas mm-hmm. State has an opportunity here to have a very surprising, uh, you know, big win here and really cause some ruckus. The, the problem is, is that as we kind of saw against Texas, Kansas State has been dealing with injuries all season long and they're really running out of gas late into games. Like I thought that they outplayed the Longhorns for most of the game. They were lining up and going mano a mano in the trenches and winning a lot of those one-on-one battles. And what ended up happening was by the third and fourth quarter, Texas started winning those battles when it mattered most because Kansas state couldn't put the game far enough away early. Now I don't necessarily think Kansas is as good as Kansas state, or sorry, uh, Kansas is as good as Texas, but I think that we could see that recipe happen here because Kansas is one of the best coach co- uh, programs in the entire country. What has happened down there has been a great program turnaround, and it's been explicitly because that coaching staff game plans for individual opponents like nobody else. Yeah, like after said in the comments, man, it's the Sunflower Showdown without a shadow of a doubt. But Andy, there's great quarterback play in this game. Howard versus Bean, for all you guys that haven't caught that Bean kid playing quarterback for Kansas University, that kid can play, man. That kid can, and he's as fast as an alley cat. <laughs> you know, he, this kid can scramble and run. He's a go-getter now. And Howard is one of those quarterbacks that is extremely efficient and won't necessarily make the play to hurt you, but he can definitely beat you. He's the prototypical quarterback that you would send to a combine and take a picture of him in some boxer briefs. And you say, that's an NFL quarterback. That's how he's built, you know, but does he have that rocket cannon arm? I don't know, but can he beat you? Absolutely. And Kansas gave Kansas state gave Texas all they wanted in that game. And I wouldn't be shocked if Kansas state really gives them some business. If they're able to steer this and win this and meet them in that big 12 championship game. I want to also point this out, too. I think that Kansas State 
has one of the most underrated defenses in all of college football. If I had to put him in a top-tier category outside of SPS and all whatever else, I would say, in my opinion, that Kansas State has a top 25 defense because the players that they run out there on the field and their ability to make big-time turnovers. But this game, every year, I looked it up. Kansas has sucked, but it's always competitive. It's been a great game, and there's always something wacky that goes on this game. So for all you guys that's going to lock in, I know Afton's locking in for sure, but all you guys that's going to lock into this game, I think it's going to be a great and highly competitive football game without a shadow of a doubt. Andy, you know how we get out. Kansas State versus Kansas. Who you got, man, and why you think they're going to win? Yeah, I I love what you were saying about about the quarterback battle here. It's it's one of the most interesting ones. Jason Bean has the third highest A dot in the entire country, which basically how far are you throwing the ball down the field and actually making completions, which is Facts. the big part. Like, are you taking shots and are those shots connecting? And mm-hmm. he has been so far. Now, what I think is the most interesting part about this is that he doesn't take those shots too often. No. Um, and that, to me, is really where this game comes into because I, I, I 100% with you. I think Kansas State is the better team. I think Kansas State is going to win this game. But the way that this game can get squirrely is if they decide, look, we know we got to take shots to win. And if they unleash Bean and let him go deep more often and more consistently, if they think that yeah. they can protect him and stop that pressure – I think that we could be in for a really interesting game. All that being said, all that being said, I still like Kansas State to win this game. I think they win this one 31-28. I think it's a close one, uh, but I think the Kansas State Wildcats uh, pull pull out the win and end up putting themselves in a really interesting spot for the Big 12 title race. Man, you know, you know, I, I've watched probably Kansas more than any team outside of what I consider the upper echelon teams all year. I watched Kansas play, and I thought for sure they was going to give Texas business, but they lost their starting quarterback, who being replaced, by the way, prior to that game. And I was like, ah, it's over with. And I just kept watching them and keep my eye on them. I'm like, man, Kansas, they're a real deal team now. They ain't nothing to play around with. And they're definitely like sort of like a trap game for Kansas State. But after, I'm going to tell you, I think that Kansas State's going to win their next two And I think they're going to go back to that Big 12 championship and they're going to give Texas all they got in that Big 12 championship game. And they could pop them with an upset. So give me the Kansas State Wildcats in the win, 35-24. They get a late score and pull way out and they solidify their chances for them to pay in the Big 12 championship game. So after we rooting for you, we rooting for them Kansas State Wildcats for sure, for sure. Andy, last game on the slate. In my opinion, the ultimate trap game of the college football playoff season. If you guys ever wanted to know and def- a definition of a trap game, this is it. Washington travels to Corvallis to play the Oregon State Beavers. This game has huge implications on the Pac-12 championship game. And Andy, we've been saying it all year. We spent an excessive amount of time out there in Pac-12 country because the football has just been outstanding. But, man, this game is big time. This is a huge, huge game. Trap game, everything written on it. This could win 
the Heisman Trophy. This can solidify it right here this week. So, Andy, give me what you got on the trap game. Watching the Huskies, who didn't look that good last week, by the way, going into Corvallis to play Oregon State Beavers. Yeah, it really feels like Washington is starting to lose a little bit of steam, which is always concerning for me. Because if you're a high-flying offensive team that doesn't have an elite defense, Mm. you can't really drop any games. You can't really drop momentum in the way that Washington has over the last few weeks. And I think that that's reflected in the fact that Oregon State – is the favorite in a lot of uh, when you go to a lot of sports books and the fact that mm. there's some differentiation between either Washington or Oregon State being the favorite is proof that we are looking at a very toss-upy game and I think for me the biggest reason that's the case is that Washington's defense has just not been very good uh since the Oregon game that the Oregon mm. kind of exposed the blueprint for how to attack this offense, both through the air and on the ground, uh, it's not an overly physical unit. It's mm. not an overly athletic unit. It relies a lot on positioning, and they're, they're just quite simply not making the plays that they need to make. Yeah. So when you look at where the Washington defense is actually the weakest, um, it's, in, it's in the passing attack. They are giving up far too many air yards, uh, per per game, like teams are just able to sling the ball over. Um, but the uh, a lot of that is because uh, Washington is just not getting to the quarterback and not causing pressure. Mm-hmm. And so when you go to the flip side and you look at DJU over at Oregon State, he's had a nice little resurgence here. He's mm-hmm. definitely not one of the top 10 quarterbacks in the country, I think. I think he's mm-hmm. just in that next tier. Yeah. But he has struggled this year when he's been pressured. He has struggled this year in in terms of taking sacks and really, you know, taking shots down the field. He's just not comfortable doing that. So you go up against a Washington team that kind of gives you a lot of yards and gives Mm -hmm. you throws. To me, that is like if there's a game that DJU can kill you in, like Mm -hmm. say when Utah did the same thing to, to the Oregon State offense early this year and said, we'll give you the short throws. We're just not we don't want you to get beat be mm. over the middle it turns out that that's what dju's game is and i'm really concerned that for washington they're going to need to score on every single drive in order to win this game yeah if there was ever a game where clock management and the new college football rules concerning clock management came into play this is the game because when i'm t- and, and ladies and gentlemen for you guys that don't watch the pac-12 like how me and andy watch the pac-12 I'm telling you, the best running back in the country that nobody is talking about is Damian Martinez, the running back for Oregon State University. This kid is a pounder. He's six foot one, 232 pounds, and he really wants to beat you up. He's not running up in the hole, not looking for contact. He's going to try to truck stick you every time in the hole and make you pay. And by the fourth quarter, he's going to be like, bro, I still feel good. Not what you got. He's, in my opinion, the college football version of Derrick Henry. I mean, I watched him play three times this year, and I was like, holy crap. Is there a bigger bruiser in college football that's not talked about? He, he's For you guys that don't, that like Notre Dame, he's ETN but faster. He's a faster version of ETN for Notre Dame. And I'm telling you, when I'm telling you he's going to put some punishment on you, 
he's going to put some punishment on you in that hole. And that's what I don't think Washington – I think Washington's defense shies away from cracking people. They want to run and rush, rush the quarterback. But do they want to get in a game where somebody just lines up and says, hey, we're going to beat you up? I don't know. And that's the same difference with the Oregon State defense. The Oregon State's defense is built to beat you up. They send extensive pressure on the outside over and over and over and over. And they're like, okay, you beat us deep. Oh, well, your quarterback's going to get killed. And by the fourth quarter, he's not going to be able to stand straight up anyway. So it don't even matter. And that's the way that Oregon State plays. They want to beat you up in a physical game like you've never seen before. So I'm saying, Washington, you better circle the wagons. You better come up there well-rested. Everybody better get some sleep. You better make sure you drink plenty of Propel or Gatorade this week. Get them heating pads on and all whatever else. Because you're going about to get beat up up there in Corvallis this week for sure, for sure. Andy, last game on the slate, trap game. It's hard to pick. Road teams in the Pac-12, we've shown that. Every time we pick the home team, regardless who it was, they got the dub. Who you got this week? Washington at Oregon State. I'm glad you brought up the running game of Oregon State because if you watch those highlights last week against against Stanford especially, you see that there are times where their offensive run blocking scheme, whether it's a zone read, whether it's a gap control game, their job is not necessarily to push you forward. It's to push mm. you in certain directions. It's mm -hmm. not necessarily about opening up the biggest hole because they know that they have a guy who can run you over if a linebacker or a cornerback gets into the backfield. Mm -hmm. It's just about manhandling the big boys, create a little bit of space, let Martinez hit that hole as hard as he can. And to me, I just think that this is a terrible matchup for Washington. I don't like the way their defense is lined up. The only way Washington wins this game is if Michael Penix Jr. has the game of his season this year Facts. or this week. Facts. And I, I really hurts me to go against the guy that I picked as my preseason Heisman candidate winner. It's looking real good for that. I picked Washington preseason to go to the playoff, uh, be one of the undefeated teams in the country, represent the Pac-12. I just don't like the way that they're – I don't like their form coming into this game. I love the way Oregon State's been playing the last few weeks. Give me the Beavers. I think Ooh. Oregon State wins this game 20 uh, – no, I lied. This game this game's going to get up into the 30s. Oregon State 35, Washington State 31. I think Penix is going to have the ball last, but I just don't think there's going to be enough time left. Mm, 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 mm. Andy, so in preparing for this game, I know you know how we hit and miss, but I circled it because I was like, this is always the top or number one ranked teams according to numbers as far as the college football playoffs. So what I usually do is I sneak peek it and I go look at that all 22 film, right? And I looked at about a half just from the last week of Oregon State, but I've watched Oregon State twice now in the all 22 film not for the running back but for dju i just wanted to see is he a top flight top quality nfl quarterback he's not he's probably a fourth or fifth round at best but what i did find out or find was the toughest team in the pac 12 by watching that film oregon state is tough they are physical they want to get inside of a phone booth and get to swinging you know and washington doesn't want to do that you know, so I think it's going to be rocking and rolling. It's a late game. It's a night game. 
The whole freaking country is going to be able to watch this game this week. Man, give me them dang on Beavers, man, in the upset, man. Because I picked Washington, too, to go. But, man, watching it and looking at it and really thinking about it, give me the Beavers. I like the Beavers 35-28 to win against Washington and throw the college football thing in a whole frenzy. You know, like I think between this week and next week, it's going to be just chaos. And this is the first of the chaos. Right here, it goes down this week, the Oregon State Beavers. DJU, you get your signature win. And Michael Penix, you just open up the door for somebody in Columbus, Ohio, to get that Heisman Trophy. So we'll see. We'll see. Or if not, oh, I dropped my thing. If not in Columbus, and I'm going to say this nationally, because this is for my boy B-Dirt. Maybe up there in Ann Arbor, Michigan. There's a guy in Ann Arbor, Michigan that can win that Heisman Trophy too. And he ain't getting the love like he should, but I think he should. So, Andy, as we close out the show, last thoughts, final thoughts on Fans First Sports Network, Level Up Podcast for this week, week 11, and college football preview and picks. I'm loving the way that we kind of talked about all these games. It's obviously not the deepest slate this week. Also, though, just want to give everybody a shout out. If you're looking for some college football to watch, maybe you don't like one of these teams that we talked about. Maybe you're just getting a little bit sick of all the playoff talk and you want you still want to watch college football. This week is the uh, the FCS uh, playoffs ESPN. Uh, I'm not sure if ESPN has the games on ESPN plus where they're at. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, we got division two ch- uh, championship football going on this week. Uh, there are just, you know, there's still there. There are kids who play football at a really high level. They love the game. It's a great, it's a tournament format, which makes it so much fun. Facts. And uh, so a shout out to slippery rock from Western Pennsylvania, just a few hours uh, South from where I grew up a little mm. bit North of the Pittsburgh area. Uh, they are playing as well. I will be trying to find a way to watch my Slippery Rock team uh, play and uh, win a big win a big Division II playoff game this weekend. So shout out to all the college football that's happening this week, not just at the FBS level. Facts, man. Touche for all those teams out there. Because like I said, on the Level Up podcast, man, we talk highlight games for real, for real. But we just want to make sure we give a shout out to all the college football programs. We know how much effort and energy and heart that you guys put into a week to week just to go out there performing. You make our podcasting possible by putting out outstanding content to let us go into all 22 at FBS and find out all the stuff we need to find out concerning college football. So we love you guys. We appreciate you guys. Hey, man, that's for Andy P and Big G. Thank you guys again for rocking with us on the Fans First Sports Network, Apple Podcasts, Level Up Podcasts on Google and Spotify. We'll catch you guys next week. Have a great week. And for all of y'all love college football, you know how Big G gets down with his falling side. Ohio State Fan Cave. Let's go Bucks. Let's go Bucks.